Hello and welcome to John Cook Ministries podcast. I'm John Cook. Well, I'm sorry about that, but it seems our electricity went out. And so it went out and came back on. It was a very quick uh, response. I've got to do something that I was supposed to do before I did this. And there, I think I've cleared up that area. This is the problems with live broadcast. When you do things live, everything happens as it happens. Nothing I can do about that. Anyway, we are going to continue our study on just a thought on the book of Revelation. As we said, we're on just a thought on Revelation chapter 12. This is part 8 and covers verses 14 through 17 of Revelation chapter 12. I, as I said before, uh, get very nervous just talking to a camera, uh, but, uh, but I'm sure the Lord will uh, get us through it. Today, I want you to take your Bible. Sorry about that. I'm having problems here getting my... There we go. Take your Bible. Turn to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 14. The scripture says, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. God has a place prepared for this woman, the Bible tells us, and she flees there. It says, to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Now we know that this woman is Israel, as we've seen before. So God brings Israel on eagle's wings to flee into the wilderness. So Israel, which came out of Egypt through the wilderness, now, and on eagle's wings, the Bible says, now is going to flee into the wilderness. The Exodus chapter 19 and verse 4 tells us, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Sometime back, I did a little bit of a study on eagles' wings, and it was amazing to hear that the greater the storm, the higher the eagles' wings would carry that eagle. So God uses a type of real power, the eagle's wings. Israel went through all kinds of problems in, in Egypt, all kinds of persecution. But God, when he got ready to bring them out, brought them out on eagle's wings. He couldn't have chose a better picture because even as they were going to face many trials and troubles, as they went through the wilderness. So the greater the storm, the higher 
God lifts us above the storm or even in the storm. And notice that he says, I brought you out on eagle's wings unto myself. Israel belongs to the Lord. They are his people. And as we go through the book of Revelation, we find he talks about my people, his people. He's talking about Israel. So God brings Israel out of Egypt on eagle's wings. In Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verses 10 through 12, God says he found him, that is Israel, in a desert land, in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him. He led Abraham. He led Isaac. He led Jacob through the wilderness, even as he led Israel, the nation of Israel, through the wilderness. He says he not only led him, but notice that God instructed him. He instructed him. There's a purpose to the wilderness experience. There were some instructions that needed to be made. And they were what we would call the school of hard knocks. So God had to instruct Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then the nation of Israel. And he instructed them in the wilderness. But not only did he instruct them, lead them, but he also kept them, the scripture says. He said he kept him. He kept him safe. He keeps his own safe as the apple of his eye, as an eagle. There's that eagle again. Stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, and taketh them and beareth them on her wings. In that study that I made of eagle's wings, it revealed that the eagle, when he stirs up his nest, is stirring up that soft covering over the thorny things below that soft covering, making the babies want to get out. And then the eagle takes them on his wings and carries them, teaching them how to fly. So the Lord alone did lead him, and there was no strange God with him. In this case, we know that this is primarily talking about Abraham as he brought him through the wilderness to lead him to the promised land. Then it says that she might fly, fly into the wilderness. Now, the idea of Israel fleeing into the wilderness is described as flying into the wilderness. Could it be that God was talking to them about something that wasn't even invented at that time, and that's the airplanes? Could it be that she's going to flee by flying out of Israel to go to the wilderness? It's possible. I don't know. 
But I do know this, that in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 20, Jesus said to, to, the, to Israel, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter. That'd be a very difficult fleeing, wouldn't it? Neither on the Sabbath day. Now I'm told that no airlines fly on the Sabbath day in Israel. So is it possible that God is warning them that they're going to need those airlines? That's a possibility. But nevertheless, we know that Israel is going to flee into the wilderness. She's going to go into what God calls her place. We've seen before in our studies, if you go back, if you haven't seen them, go back and watch them. That she flees to the city, that it's believed she flees to the city of Petra, which is today in modern day Jordan. So she's going to flee into the wilderness to this rose city of Petra. At least it's believed that's where she will flee. This is Israel's city of refuge. You know, God had a place for the one who killed someone in Israel by accident to flee, even if they did it intentionally, to flee to the city of refuge. And there, there would be a trial. And if it was determined that they weren't guilty and hadn't done it intentionally, then... the killer would live in the city of refuge safely until the death of the high priest, and then he could return to his own inheritance. I'm sorry, I moved too fast there. So, in type, those cities of refuge were like this city, that Israel is going to flee to. Now, it's interesting when you think about it, that when they crucified Christ, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Was he preparing them for that city of refuge, a place to take refuge from the avenger of blood. In this case, when Israel flees, it will be fleeing from the devil. But in the case of the city of refuge, it was fleeing from the avenger of blood. Nevertheless, in type, we at least see how God is going to care for Israel as she flees into the wilderness. It says where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. That serpent, remember, that serpent is the devil himself. So Israel is going to flee into the wilderness and God is going to nourish her. 
This is God's care for Israel. Just as he gave them the manna in the wilderness, so the Lord is going to give to Israel the food and water and so forth that she will need there in the wilderness. It's going to be a terrible time. Matthew 24 and verse 22 says, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be, be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Now, in the case of where this says the elect's sake, that's Israel. This is Israel. The ones who flee into the wilderness. This is far a long ways from what Calvin taught. But this is Israel. And for their sake, those days will be shortened. We're not told how. We're just told that it will happen. And there in the wilderness, God will hide them from the devil. And this is the special care that God has for his own. Now, if God takes care of them, will he not take care of us as Christians? We live in difficult times. And many live in fear. But we as God's people don't need to live in fear. We need to trust the Lord. And know that God is going to do what's necessary to take care of us. Even as he will take care of Israel at that time. This brings us then to verse 15. It says, And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. So the devil's not giving up. The devil's going to do everything he can. And so he cast out of his mouth water as a flood. This water is like a flood, the Bible says. It's literal. Daniel 9 and verse 26 says, And after threescore and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. Now, we know this isn't talking about when the city was destroyed in 70 A.D. because there wasn't a flood. But there is coming a flood, and that's what the serpent's going to do. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. There's a war coming. People are talking about peace. Many are saying, peace, peace. God warns against that. The only time peace is going to come when God brings it to Israel in Jerusalem, the city of peace. But desolations are determined. Wars are determined. And it's going to happen, just as God says. As we said, the devil is going to do everything possible to destroy Israel as she flees into the wilderness. Lamentations chapter 4 and verse 19 says, Our persecutors are swifter than the eagles of the heaven. 
They pursued us upon the mountains. And they laid wait for us in the wilderness. This is a description of what's going to happen to those that are fleeing into the wilderness. The devil is going to pursue them. And he's going to lay wait for them. He's going to do everything possible to get his hands on them. And but for the grace of God caring for those that flee into the wilderness, he would get them. He would destroy them. But God, by his grace, is going to protect them. In verse 15, it says, And the Lord helped the woman. I think this is verse 16. Sorry, I, had, I printed this out, so I'm going to have to check this. But I'm sure this is verse Revelation chapter 12 and verse 16. Sorry, that reference is wrong. It's verse 16. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth swallowed up. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. So the earth helped the woman. God uses his creation to protect his people, Israel. You realize that God uses things out of creation to protect us. With Israel, he used a rod, the rod of Moses. He used a rock to give them water in the wilderness. So the Lord uses his words in the King James Bible to give us protection and encouragement God protects his own. God is protecting us and will protect us regardless of the circumstances of our lives right now and how messed up things are politically and health-wise. All the threats that surround us. But we have no reason to fear because we're supposed to depend on God. We're supposed to trust the Lord. And God will take care of us just as he's going to take care of Israel. It says the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. God miraculously intervenes on Israel's part. He works on their behalf. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 15 and 16, it says, And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river, and shall smite it in the seven streams, and make men go over dry shod. And there shall be a highway, for the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. 
God is going to work on behalf of his people. Notice it says, and the Lord. Christian, that's our hope. Our hope is the Lord. He's our hope. Not we ourselves. He's our protector. He is going to protect Israel as she flees into the wilderness. He's going to dry up the Egyptian sea so that his people can come back into their land in the future. All these are promises of God. They're prophetic. They're going to happen because God says so. God's power is unlimited power. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now think about that. God is able. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I don't know about you. I got a pretty good asker on me. I got a pretty good dreamer on me. And God is able to do abundantly above whatever, anything I could ask or think. And it's according to the power that works in us. And that's the power of his resurrection. That's the power of his blessed Holy Spirit that lives in us. So, if he's able, let me rephrase that. Since he's able and promises that he is able to do exceeding abundantly, abundantly above all that we could ask or think, then look around you today and see the difficulties that we face. Would you like to be de delivered from them? Well, he's able to deliver us. What if he chooses not to deliver us? Well, he's able to keep us in the midst of the storm. These are the promises we have from God. In verse 17, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. The dragon was wroth with the woman. He's furious. He's furious with Israel with those that have fled into the wilderness, that he can't reach them. He's furious that he cannot destroy them. He's furious that she's, a, that she's escaped his clutches. He's furious with Israel because Israel is the one who brought the Savior into the world. He's furious with Israel because God has promised to pre preserve them 
And no matter how hard he tries to destroy them, he can't. He's furious with Israel because chiefly unto them were given the oracles of God. Every word recorded in our Bibles. was written by a Jew, Israel. He's furious with them. And in his fury, he goes to make war with the remnant of her seed. You know who he goes after? He goes after those who stayed behind in Israel. They didn't flee. They didn't listen to what God said. In Mark 13, 14, when Jesus said, but, ye shall see the abom- but when ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, that's in the temple, let him that readeth understand, let them, let him that readeth understand, then let them, that be in Judea, flee to the mountains. So the Antichrist has set up his image in the temple, in Jerusalem, in the tribulation period. And he has sat down at the mercy seat and declared himself to be God, the abomination of desolation. And God says, when that happens, get out of town. Flee. But this remnant of her seed that Israel, that that the devil goes after, doesn't flee, doesn't obey God. You know, there's real foolishness in staying behind when God says, get. Get out of town. Get out of Dodge, as we used to say. Just run, man. I can remember my boys liked an old video when they were children. And in that video... What looked like the real brave people, all of a sudden they said, run away. Well, God says run away, you better run. I was thinking about this the other night. Peter was in the, in the prison, and God takes him out, brings him out into the street, says, now go. He goes and tells the church, and he says, now I have to leave town. You know what? He didn't stick around where God told him not to be. When God tells us to flee, we better flee. What's the cause of not fleeing? We don't believe him. Simply because of unbelief of God's words. Look at the words of God. They give us the protection we need. They give us the direction we need. 
God tells us what we should do and God tells us what we shouldn't do. Are we going to believe him? Some of these didn't believe and now the devil goes after them and he will kill them. He will destroy them every way possible. Notice it says, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is the tribulation saints. They live in a time of great difficulty, what was called the great tribulation. And during the tribulation, salvation comes by faith and works, just like it did in the Old Testament. You believe God and do what he says. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Notice, blessed are they that do his commandments. Doing in the tribulation period is going to be important. Now, if you preach this today, you're going to preach a false gospel. But in that day, it will be true. Today, there's no works. It's all of faith by grace, through faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's by grace. And grace cancels out works. Through faith, not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. A gift necessarily carries the meaning of free, not of works. We get saved by grace through faith. And our salvation is determined by the workmanship of God. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Notice, in Christ Jesus. The good works in our lives follow because it is ordained that we should walk in them. Our salvation is by faith, is by grace through faith. No works. So if you teach, you have to do something, then you're teaching a false doctrine. 
Tribulation salvation, however, is presented in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 13. It says, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. You notice that? Endure unto the end. The same shall be saved. This isn't talking about grace by faith as it is today. This is talking about trusting God and holding on to that faith to the end, whether it be the end of your life, which it will cost people their lives. We'll see that in chapter 13. It will cost your life. And if that doesn't happen, then unto the end, when you leave this world to be with Jesus. You preach that today as salvation, you're preaching a false gospel. It is important to believe the word of God, to believe the words of God as God says them, where God says them, to whom God says them, and for the time period that God is dealing with. Now, oftentimes people deny that, but it's certainly true. Consider this. In Matthew 24, verses 50 and 51, the Lord of that servant, the Lord's telling a, a, a parable. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware of. Now, who's the servant? The servant in this case is Israel. And shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So, those who do not endure to the end, who do not trust God and endure to the end during the tribulation period, will be cut asunder, cut off, and be given their portion with the hypocrites, where there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's the lesson we learned from, the, from this. In the tribulation, it is possible for one to lose their salvation. I didn't say today. We are eternally secure today by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. We are sealed unto the day of redemption by the Holy Spirit of God. But in the tribulation period, they will have to believe God and do what God says, endure to the end. If they don't, 
they will lose that salvation. Now, I know that sounds like something people don't want to believe. But it is nevertheless the truth, as God says it in his word. Now, today, I want to go back and emphasize this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 22 says, Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. We are sealed. This business, the earnest, has to do with a purchase possession. You go in and you give a down payment. You pay the price. Now it's yours, but it isn't in your house. It's to be delivered. Well, on the day of delivery, it's delivered to your house. So on the day of delivery, we'll be delivered into heaven, sealed in the, in the Holy Spirit of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 12 and 14 says, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Do you notice that? We get saved by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're not saved today, the only way to get saved today is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. To believe that God, that Christ died for our sins that he was buried and that he rose again the third day and he ever lives to make intercession for us. And we pray and receive him as our personal Savior and Lord of our lives. And the instant we believe the gospel, the Bible says we are then sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He is the earnest of our inheritance. He's the guarantee that we're going to get that inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. You know when that takes place? When Jesus comes back in the air and calls us home. When he says, Come up hither. We're going to split out this world. And we're going to go to be with Jesus. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The guarantee is the earnest of his spirit that lives within us. Until that day when we will be taken home his purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the conclusion to the lesson as we've looked at it today 
We've seen that the devil's fury is against the remnant. Now listen, the devil hates God's people. Today he hates Christians and he attacks them. But he's never given up attacking Israel. And my, how they have suffered. But the worst is yet to come. The failure of some to believe and flee in the tribulation period is going to put them right in the crosshairs of Satan's vengeance. And Christian, our failure to believe God's words and run away when he tells us or stand firm when he tells us, whatever the order is from our commander-in-chief, we are to obey. The cost of unbelief is tragic to those that did not flee, that do not flee into the wilderness. So the cost of unbelief to us as Christians is going to be a tragedy in the loss of rewards before the throne of God. The loss that is possible in the tribulation period, and I want, to re, re, I want to say that again, the loss that is possible in the tribulation period, this is in the tribulation period, not today. The loss that is possible in the tribulation period is the loss of salvation if a man puts his faith in God and starts to do what God tells him to do, but then gets tired of doing and trusting and turns away from it, then he loses his salvation. It's that simple. And by the way, that's where people get teaching that we can lose our salvation today is they get it from Scripture that's dealing with the tribulation period, not from Scripture that deals with today. Well, again, I want to thank you for joining us for this study today. And I trust you'll take the opportunity of joining us again in our next study. Until that time, God bless. Hey, this is John Cook again. Thank you for listening to the John Cook Ministries podcast on Just a Thought on the book of Revelation. Now, before you go, how about take some time and leave us a comment or maybe a prayer request or what question do you have that we might be able to answer for you? Let us know how we can help you. And don't forget to subscribe to the John Cook Ministries podcast. And you will get the next lesson just as soon as it is released. Well, we'll say goodbye for now. 